Hello, and welcome to Chin Chats Episode 3. I'm your host, Davey Chin, and I'm here to talk to people that interest me about the stuff that interests them, and hopefully that interests you. My guest today is a gentleman that I've known for almost 11 years. Uh, he is a good friend, uh, an, an inspiration in many ways, um, and a very wise man for being in our generation. <laughs> uh, welcome, Tyler Shirley. Thank you so much. Wow, that's quite an introduction. Thanks, Davey. Yeah, no, no pressure now. Entertain us. So Tyler and I met uh, back when I entered college as a freshman, and he was my resident assistant in the beloved Bowman House, uh, and he greeted me on on my 18th birthday as I walked in to Bowman House for the first time to begin that new chapter of life. Little did I know we would end up being friends for 11 years and he would end up selling me my first house. <laughs> yeah, little did I know that too. That's wild. It's, it's kind of crazy to look back that far, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I didn't realize that was your birthday too. Yeah, that's a little secret that I didn't tell a whole lot of people. Uh, it was kind of a depressing 18th birthday to spend eight hours in a car with my parents and all of my personal belongings going away from home, but <laughs> we made the most of it. Uh, you turned that around well. I was going to say, if your parents are listening, yeah, well, they might not appreciate <laughs> don't, don't worry. My, my parents are the only people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Looking back to when we met Tyler, you were a sophomore in college. Uh, what did you go to school for? What was, what was your goal? Sophomore year, I think I had just changed it. Um, so uh, I think I came in as psychology, and then I switched to youth ministry. And then I think sophomore year, I had switched to international and community development, which they actually changed the name of it now. Now it's only community mm -hmm. development essentially a mixture of a few different categories, which would be uh, like nonprofit work, like even writing grant proposals and uh, sociology. And then um, also some psychology, also some religion, also some economics. So it's this amalgamation of categories. So what was, what was your intention in switching into that major? Did you have a dream job or a direction you wanted to go? Hmm. I had this vague picture that I thought I would be working in a nonprofit, which I am, but I thought it would be overseas. Um, and, or at least like working with, um, more, uh, people groups or, or like different, um, nationalities. And so it's kind of a surprise that I'm not uh, a little bit, but, uh, um, most of the people that graduated in that major did work or do work in nonprofits of some kind. Um, the, the, the token person that was like the pride and joy of the community development major was this girl named Carrie Falk. Um, she got married and I don't know her new last name, but, um, she married a South African guy, like a charcoal black South African guy, um, which for a community development major, that was like a huge win. Also, um, she worked, works or worked in the UN. Uh, so that's just completely legit. 
um, and all forms of uh, community or, you know, society impact as well as like bridging the gap between different people groups and holy cow. Well, you're not working at the UN, but I'm sure you're making your own waves. Uh, you are definitely influential in your own community. So tell us a little bit about your current day jobs. Yeah. So my full-time position is for, uh, it's, a, it's a pastoral position at Exit 59 Church in Gas City. And uh, the irony, I don't even know what to call the church anymore because our tax documentation says Exit 59 Church of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, but then the state thought it would be interesting uh, to change the exit numbers and extend the highway. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, so it's exit 259. And so we thought, do we change the number or so we just call it exit church now uh, as just a whatever. Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, so that's over in gas city. Uh, we just call it exit church. And um, I do some, pastoral care as well as music and then some outreach as well um uh, so that's my full-time gig and then on the side freelance i do some realtor transactions as well um and honestly i i have a lot of fun doing realtor stuff and so it's really for fun and to help provide for my family uh, as well i i just get out a lot of energy out of that yeah, that's that's fantastic. So how did you end up getting into realty? I feel like that's not something you just stumble into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, funny enough that you should say that. Uh, because I, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do right after college. I, um, I almost did an internship for invisible children, if you remember them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that didn't uh, pan out. Um, the I, I don't know. That's kind of a long story, but the, um, I felt like I should be here and then I couldn't find a job here. And so, um, uh, shortly, like six months after I graduated, uh, there, I, I got a position both at the church doing music. So that was like a part-time gig. And then I also was hired by a guy from the church who owned rental properties and he wanted somebody to help manage those. So I stepped in to help manage. That was my full-time job. And a couple years into that job, I, my boss, the guy that hired me, he was like, Hey, what do you think about getting your realtor license? We'll help you get it. Um, and cause they, they both had a brokerage and they own rental properties. So um, I could work for them in both capacities and, it would work for me for income. It would work for them for income. I said, yes, absolutely. Um, so I literally stumbled into real estate. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, that's not literal. But you know what I mean? Like the, I, I didn't really see myself doing that. Um, and it was just a, a path forward. And it seemed interesting. And I grew to love it. And, uh, and I've had a lot of fun doing that. Honestly, what gives me energy more than anything is real estate is something really practical. It's very on the ground. Um, like re everybody needs a place to put their head at night. And uh, so 
assisting people in the process of what they're already wanting to do is really life-giving for me. I don't have to sell somebody on the fact that they should buy a house. A lot of people just already want to do that or they need to sell it. And so I can provide practical on-the-ground assistance for something somebody already needs. And so it like meets their need and it helps provide for my family and it's fun. Why not? Yeah. Why not is always the best answer, I think. <laughs> Bill Gaither of Southern Gospel fame, that's that's his catchphrase. Why not? He says that after everything. In fact, I have a t-shirt that they sold on tour that simply says, why not? The Gaither vocal band. Ran- <laughs> random Southern Gospel knowledge for you. Mm, that's great, actually. You know, when you live in the center of Indiana, you kind of have to love Southern Gospel. It's if you don't love Southern gospel or country music, then then you're an outcast, um, which leads me to my next question. Uh, most of my listeners know that I'm a musician by day. Um, and so I love to know what people are listening to. What do you listen to uh, in your in your car? What do you listen to on your radio? Um, do you listen to the radio? Do you use Spotify? Uh, what are your go to genres or albums or artists? Ooh, man, <clears throat> that's a great question. So. I do listen to I I don't listen to the radio for music ironically uh, because I just don't always love the mix of music on the radio but uh yeah I or lack of mix sure yeah <laughs> oh boom boom got him uh the uh, uh I get in these like rhythms of certain artists and I just stick with them for a month or two or longer and um I just kind of got out of a need to breathe uh, sort of intensive and um, I've not, uh, there's a, there's kind of a niche band that I don't think technically even exists anymore. Um, uh, uh, that they were out of Seattle. I need to even remember their name. Dustin Kensrew was the lead guy and he's the guy um uh, gosh, he's done a bunch of different bands, actually. Modern Post, that's the band I'm trying to think of. Modern Post uh, is kind of like a little grungy, but like really uh, beautiful and truthful lyrics. Um, so that's one that I've been really into. Switchfoot is like my annual band um, because they usually come out with an album every summer. And John Foreman is a wordsmith. Um and I love them a lot. They have like taken a break, which is kind of startling because they were the first band, one of the first bands I can remember. Um, um, because I do music at church, I'm constantly uh, getting or like sifting through new worship music. So um, every time like Hillsong comes out with a new album, I'm constantly listening to that or or Bethel, or um, North Point, or you know all the, these different churches, or or uh, like bands that kind of target themselves towards church music. Um, so I'm always kind of on, looking out on the radar for who's on the forefront of some of that stuff. Um, I think I, I think what I've come to recognize is uh, maybe I'm getting older in this way, but uh, uh, I care a slightly less about like the catchiness of the song and more about the lyrical content. And so 
maybe I should say I'm willing to sacrifice musicality for the lyrical content if I have to sacrifice one. Whereas before, um, the, the, the format, like the way the car looks was more important than how it drove. Um, and, uh, I don't think they should be separated. Ideally they'd both be great, but, um, but that's usually what I'm looking for is, um, how's the lyrical content, then will it stick in my head and is it singable? So Nice. I like that, that flow chart of how you're listening to music and, and finding music, especially when talking about congregational music, you know, that it's very important that the lyric matters and that the lyric has mm. depth and, and has theological truth. There's nothing worse than singing a, a song with a great hook that has a little bit of heresy in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Um, so you mentioned Switchfoot, which they're, they're one of those, they're one of the few bands that I think has done a pretty good job of, uh, maintaining their Christian outlook. Um, but also kind of breaking into the standard pop genres. I mean, they're, they're known by a lot of, uh, non-Christians, um, just as well as Christians because of some of their bigger hits. Um, yeah. They also are prolific, as you mentioned. I mean, almost always coming out with a new album every year. They've put out so many albums. I don't even know how many. But do you have a favorite Switchfoot album or an album that you think is their best? Sure. Um, <clears throat> my favorite, uh, uh, this, this is, doesn't even answer your question. I'll answer your question after I say what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, um, my favorite stuff is by John Foreman, actually. Um, so if I, I see that related. John Foreman is the lead singer and writer um, for Switchfoot. And he does some solo stuff that is just uh, um, some of the, his best writing is in that. And uh, it's, it's slightly less catchy, less rock band-esque and real uh, um, solid lyrics. So I love that. Um, it's still catchy, but just not like as poppy maybe. Right. Um, so as far, as far as Switchfoot goes, uh, was it favorite album? Is that what you said? Oh, favorite and best. Favorite and or best album by Switchfoot. Oh, uh, man. The, the first one that I knew of them was The Beautiful Letdown. And that's whenever I remember riding around in my brother's red Honda Civic, like a 96 Honda Civic or something like that, and listening to Switchfoot and first time ever hearing them. And so there's this nostalgia. So that's got to be my favorite. The best one... Uh, I'd have to say either Vice versus um, or I'd man, I'd have to think about that. They're all so good. <laughs> <laughs> I stumped you. You did. You did. Insert sound effect. Yeah, uh, I. <laughs> But yeah, I, they, they've all got these different aspects. One of them, the most where the light uh, shines through is their most recent one. Mm -hmm. That one uh, uh, that one brought me to tears listening to it. So maybe that would be their best. Anytime an album can evoke a strong emotion, you know, there's something in it, whether musical or lyrical, who knows. But when when it can draw tears out of you, you know, there's something there. 
Yes, for sure. So you are uh, a realtor, um, but but primarily you're a you're a pastor. So you said uh, you do some pastoral care, um, and you also do music at your church. So what does what does that look like? What does pastoral care look like in your capacity? Yeah. So I've been uh, I uh, as I mentioned shortly after college, I, I came on staff part time doing music at this you know at Ad Exit. And just about a year and a half ago, I came on full time. And so um, I, I didn't know people super well. I knew a few people really well, but the nature of being bivocational is that I didn't have as much time or energy previously to get to know people. So um, I think that in combination with the fact that our church is made up of uh, probably 50% college students maybe 60% college students uh, where there's this uh, aspect of uh, transience. Like every, every three or four years we graduate um, all of our congregation or <laughs> most of it, you know, and we, we roll it over. And so um, I say all that for context. Uh, so I can say that the last year and a half has been really just getting to know our congregation and, um, like celebrating and weeping with people as life events come up, um, praying with people and, um, going to the hospital with them and, uh, praying for, for God to heal people. Um, you know, whenever, uh, someone's son was like working overseas and got seriously ill and, um, you know, their, their health and life were at stake. Um, other times it's like mental health issues or, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, of other aspects as well. Um, a lot of times it's a story that, you know, we teach through the Bible at the church. So when you go, when you, when we actually like read the scripture, it's sometimes it's like crazy. Uh, no, uh, that sounds a little cynical, but the, um, the reality is sometimes when we read through scripture, it's like, I don't understand this. Or I don't get this. So a lot of it is walking people through like, this sounds offensive to me. How can this be true? Or, um, uh, uh, just navigating the cultural differences of a few thousand years ago to today. So, um, so that's a lot of the pastoral care stuff that I do. Um, uh, sometimes it's, uh, there's a lot of grief, a lot more than I realized that people struggle with. Um, this is, you know, my year and a half experience. So, uh, I'd be curious what older pastors would say, but, um, the congregation at large, I, when I was a part of just the regular congregation at large, I didn't realize quite how much struggle people went through. Um, and, uh, I get to see a lot more of that. So a lot of it is like, you know, this family member, um, uh, is on their deathbed and they have been for a couple years. Like, how do I navigate that and have hope, um, and, and trust in, in this all powerful God who could stop it. And I also know that he's all loving. So how do I navigate those two things? Um, uh, so really hard, deep questions like that. Yeah. That sounds like it could be both emotionally exhausting, but remarkably rewarding at the same time. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, absolutely. It's, it's, it's beautiful and heartbreaking at times that, um, to see that I feel like the, some of the hard struggles either really push people towards the Lord or away from him. And, um, uh, so it's, it's interesting that, um, that people can have very similar situations and go different ways. And so clearly as a pastor, I'd love to help navigate people to understand and, and be in good relationship with God. But, um, uh, but it's also kind of heartbreaking whenever, uh, someone decides that, you know, that's not for me. I can't, um, so honestly, it's interesting to have this real estate aspect involved as well, because it's very transactional. Clearly there's relationship in it. I, I don't think I would do it if there wasn't relationship in it, but, um, it wouldn't be fun or it wouldn't be fulfilling, but, um, to have this like long-term, uh, life on life aspect in ministry that, after a, a while, you can look back and see trends versus real estate, which is probably one to three, four months um, at a time with different people. And so there's a pretty clear start and finish line. Um, uh, it's really nice is why I say to have both of those in tandem. So I can see clear progress pretty quickly with the one and then the other, um, it, you know, sometimes it's 10 years uh, before something changes. So that's a, that's a nice um, balance. That's, yeah. that's, that's a really nice balance. Um, so you have two, those two jobs that are, are very different and, and you're good at both of them. And I'm, I'm sure I know you're, I know for a fact you're good at the realty thing because you sold me a house. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm living proof that you're at least a capable realtor. Um, <laughs> That's good enough for me. That's the best compliment you could give me. <laughs> at the bare minimum. Uh, but you are also, uh, you are also young. You're, um, you know, in my generation, uh, before the yeah, show, I'm 30. you're, you're 30. Oh my goodness. You, that's crazy. Uh, but still 30 is young. Uh, before the show, you were telling me a little story about how somebody identified you as being in a different generation than them and they were younger than you. Uh, yeah, that's just, <laughs> that's just a yeah, it kind of messes with reality. Me. <laughs> it's, I think it's one of the, um, like you kind of expect that from like a kid, but whenever it's like a college student that says that as like they contrast themselves to me mm. as being in a different generation, it's kind of like, whoa, uh, that's, that's different. He's not wrong, but it's, <laughs> I, I didn't see myself as a different generation. So maybe I need to get with reality in that. So, uh, just kind of eye opening, for sure. For sure. Our generation is still considered on the young side of things, I hope. Um, so you have, uh, hopefully, uh, more more life yet to live than you already have lived. Um, do you have any dream jobs or bucket list things that you really want to accomplish? Oh, man. That's a great question. Uh, to be honest, I love what I get to do right now. And that sounds super cheesy. Uh, but I love uh, I love doing ministry and I love uh, the real estate thing. I um, every year, so the summertime is the busy season for real estate, um, 
And every February or so, I'm just like, God, uh, I have this realtor license. I don't want to neglect my family, but I also want to provide for them. So if real estate's the way to go, like give me work. If not, you know, I'll, I'll hang it up for a year or two or however long. Um, and each year there's been some business. I, I do like eight or 10 transactions a year, um, something like that. And, um, and I love it. I have a great wife. She is really supportive of me in that, but all that to say, I hold that kind of with open hands. Um, cause I, uh, I want to be present at home. Um, you know, I have this, I, I just kind of take, uh, um, the great commission pretty seriously. Um, and for those that might not be as familiar at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus tells, uh, his followers to go and make disciples. These are <clears throat> some of Jesus's last words to them, like go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, um, in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit, and commanding them to obey everything I've taught you. And so I just, I take that pretty seriously. Uh, I, um, I want to do that. I want to um, make the Lord really proud. And so I, uh, I just want to be somewhere where I can do that. Um, I think in college, I assumed that would be overseas. I do like working between different cultures because um, just understanding how different cultures work and what's valuable to different cultures, like productivity and relationship and um, uh, different facets different, uh, whether cultures are warmer or colder, that's just fascinating to me. Hmm. Um, but, um, but that's just not part of, you know, this area is, is mostly monocultural. And, uh, so that's just not an aspect right now. So part of me wonders if in the future, God will say like, I'm done with you here. I want to move you somewhere else that it has more culture to it. Um, that would be like, uh, navigating intercultural relationships, whether here or abroad, uh, here being like in the States or abroad. Um, so that would be something that I'd love to do, but, um, I hold that with open hands. Like I, um, I, I want to be careful not to let that define me or like, I have to do this to make me happy. Um, so, uh, um, so that's something that's been in the back of my mind for, for a long time, I, I think. But um, on a very surface level, I, uh, I, I, so I used to really want to skydive. Hmm. And now that I'm a dad of a couple little girls, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe we'll wait until they get old enough to want to skydive and we'll do it together. And then if it doesn't work out, then we're all gone. Um, and <laughs> although I suppose the, the chances of the parachute not opening for all three of us is the same for now, but, um, but, uh, I just want to, want to, you know, make wise decisions while I have young kids is what I'm saying. Right. So, uh, so we'll see on that one. Maybe. That's noble. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks. I'll just get really big insurance policy or something yeah. before. I yeah, do. exactly. <laughs> um, so, so you work a lot. I mean, anybody who has, has more than one job, even if it's, 
even if it's two part-time jobs, you work a lot. And having having a family is a lot of additional time, um, especially with small children. Um, uh, but we all have little hobbies that we do and things that we do on the side for fun for ourselves. What are what are some of your hobbies? What keeps you what keeps your gears turning other than work? Yeah. <clears throat> um so that's funny that you say it that way because uh, when I think of hobbies, I, I immediately think of a mentor that once told me, when you have kids, you don't have hobbies. Your kids are your hobby. <laughs> and it was kind of this sober, sobering moment. Um, and I think that was whenever my wife was pregnant with, with our oldest daughter, who's three now, about to turn four. And I kind of felt like, oh, <laughs> all my hobbies have to die. So bleak. Um, and. Uh, yeah, a little, a little like, uh, uh, yeah, sobering or like kind of a punch in the face. But um, I, I do recognize. I mean, raising little kids is is a lot of time and energy and money. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean like I, I try to incorporate my kids and in things that interest me and and kind of see if it interests them. Um, like. Uh, I like to go on bike rides. So I bought a bike trailer and my girls both like being outside a lot. And so, so sometimes I will load on the bike trailer on the back and pull them through the park or different things. And they love that. Um, so that's a fun way to incorporate family life with hobbies. Um, uh, I don't know if this is a hobby so much as a requirement, but um, maybe both. <laughs> the uh, we, my wife and I live in an old Victorian home. It's like a hundred and thirty or forty years old, um, and so that kind of investment requires constant maintenance. Yeah, and so uh, a lot of it's just like, and and I kind of enjoy it for the most part. The major items are updated, so it's just like constantly painting. It's got a wooden exterior. So it's just like it eats paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoy having little projects and stuff. So, um, uh, currently it's, it's figuring out how to paint the outside of the house. So we'll, right. we'll get there when we get there. But, uh, um, but that's kind of fun. Um, uh, yeah. Otherwise I, I kind of get to incorporate some of my hobbies into my work. I kind of view, um, uh, like, like realtor stuff scratches enough of the, the hobby itch, if you will. Um, and like, it's just fun. I really enjoy it. So, um, that's part of it. Yeah. So you own a, a really old house. Um, but you also see, you probably see more houses than the average person being a realtor. Um, do you ever do you ever walk into a house and just think, oh, that's a great idea, or oh, I have to do that, or oh, I wonder if I could make that happen in my house, or oh, I want to buy this one and move? Do you ever have that kind of envy or that kind of <laughs> uh, That's that's great. Um, I'm not a, I'm not super crafty, like uh, so. If it it depends what it is is maybe the short answer. Um, like uh pallet you know wood pallet repurposing old wood is is pretty in and so i've seen people do like wooden pallet walls or um different things like huh i could do that should i do that you know um but i also know i'm i'm not that crafty so i'm like hey that's cool for somebody else um (laughs) 
<laughs> if somebody wanted to give that to me, then it would take it. <laughs> but uh, but I know that I I probably don't have the uh, the the ability to do some of that stuff. Um, uh, I always have wheels turning. Like I love dreaming, and uh, if you're familiar with Strengths Finder, one of my Strengths Finders is futuristic and dreaming about what if possibilities. Like should we get into rentals and this house just came on the market and it's this, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's right by this one location. So I know uh, we could get students to rent or we could get, you know, uh, retirees to rent or whatever it is. Um, so um, the, those kind of wheels are constantly turning. Um, uh, so that's, that's really fun. I love going through old homes. Marion has some really beautiful old homes and uh, um occasionally I'll, I'll go in and, and just look at them for inspiration or, or I'm thinking, I know a guy that may want this. So, uh, that's, that's really fun. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do around Marion is just drive around and look at the outside of houses, just drive up and down the streets because there are so many, uh, structures in town that are so cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and you you don't notice them all the time, especially, you know, there are, there are also a lot of buildings that aren't as cool <laughs> and those can be really eye catching, you know, they can really yeah. captivate your attention. But if you're really looking, you can see there's a lot of beauty and a lot of, uh, historic beauty, you know, some of these, mm -hmm. these old houses that have been around for a hundred plus years that just really, they, they built houses in a different way back then, you know, yeah. so much less cookie cutter. It was all very unique and artistic. Yeah. Uh, not not to diminish home building today because homes that are being built today are absolutely outstanding as well. But yeah, yeah, you're right. They like tell stories. I think that's one of the aspects. If I can find out the story, uh, it, mm -hmm. it makes the whole thing come alive. Uh, so in our house, um, we've got an upstairs room that has a ton of windows that face the South. And um, apparently the original owner had either a, a mother or mother-in-law that was pretty ill. And if you think about medical science 130, 140 years ago, it's very different. And part of the thought at the time was that the more sun you can get, it has potential to heal you from certain ailments. And, and we know now like vitamin D and you know other aspects are, are correct. So there's probably an element of truth in, in that. But um, mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not going to cure you from like a disease. Uh, so they built this room, this bedroom upstairs that has, I mean, just seven, eight windows that face the South. So there's constantly direct sunlight in there, um, which is super fun. And, but then if you think on like the practical side, that room is always hot or cold, right? <laughs> depending on the season. So it also, it, it creates modern issues. Uh, mm -hmm. but I will take it for the story. I will absolutely take it right absolutely definitely worth that story oh that's that's fantastic um so one one last thing that i want to ask you that is uh completely unrelated to everything we've talked about so far um everybody that knows me at all knows that i have what i like to consider a mild obsession with pens uh, most people would say my mild is not not the right term. <laughs> it's a deep, deep obsession. Think, wait, wait. Can I uh, can I tell the world that uh, Mr. Davey Chin, when he bought his first home, purchased a pen specifically 
to sign the closing documents of his home and not one paper before. That is, so, that is uh, am I, correct. am I correct? That's the story as I recall. That, that is absolutely correct. And even more than that, that was actually the uh, kind of the impetus for me getting into fountain pens uh, and that um, there's actually a story up on my on, wow. on my blog about why I got into fountain pens and how I got started my my origin story if you will um, which <laughs> by the way if there's ever a superhero that has to do with fountain pens I I totally want to be involved in that uh, in that comic book sort story um, but my my That's origin great. story everybody told me you know you will sign your life away you will sign i uh, hope you wear your wrist brace you know i hope you're ready for a carpal tunnel because you have to sign so many thousands of documents and i just thought well i should use a good pen to do that so i kind of started the research train of, <laughs> of finding a good pen and that kind of led me down the very slippery slope that i've been not so gradually sliding down for the last couple of years so it's all your fault <laughs> i like that it's I like that it's down. Uh, that's a, that's oh, just it, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, but being being personally obsessed with pens and pencils and paper and all things stationary, I like to ask all of my guests, do you have any stationary nitpickinesses? Do you have any pens that you like to use? Um, or are you just a grab it out of the cup, no matter what it is kind of a person? Yeah, great question. Uh, I would not have cared uh, a number of years ago before I met my wife. My wife's an artist, so um, and if you marry somebody, you're probably going to rub off on each other. Um, yeah. And so I actually hated art <laughs> kind of before <laughs> we got married too, but that's another story. Um, Does she know anyways, that? Yeah, yeah. She, uh, we went to like the Chicago Art Museum. Uh, when we were dating, she had to for her major and um, I somehow snuck on the bus and um, and went with them and and like she explained some pieces in the museum and I was in tears like this is beautiful. <laughs> um, and so anyways, uh, uh, I recognized the meaning of, of some different pieces of art. Um, and so likewise, she's really into pens. Uh, well, actually, no. Davy's on the phone. Uh, she's kind of into pens. Davy's really into pens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, she, she has very specific things and she's rubbed off on me. And so I do like to use, it's kind of generic, but also kind of particular. Uh, so maybe middle of the road. Uh, it's just the Pilot G2. Um, the, the where it's like a gel pen, but in either blue or black, not like the crazy sparkly pink or, you know, lime green or anything, just the standard blue or black. But there's something about like the, the G2 gel ink that uh, I like a lot. And for anybody that doesn't know, that ink is waterproof, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. So uh, in high school, sometime somebody wrote me a note and put it under my windshield wiper on my car. And when I got, I, I didn't know it until I got off to my car, at which point it was raining and I was able to peel the paper apart and the ink was perfectly intact. So, um, yeah, just a, 
Pilot G2. Uh, so Pilot G2, for anybody who knows anything about pens, comes in a bunch of sizes. Do you like the the standard? The standard size is a 0.7 oh millimeter. <laughs> you do love. You do love these. I love that you know yeah, the sizes. It's, it's sad. Um, that's that's great. Do you, yeah, that's, I, I need to see a specialist about this. I'm aware. <laughs> it's beyond my pay grade as a pastor. Um, no. Uh, so, yeah, I, maybe I should experiment. I've I've really only used the the point seven. What is that? How you say it? Point seven zero seven. Um, yeah. yeah, it has a, a a double zero seven. I think on the barrel, uh, it might be just a single zero, but zero seven or double zero seven, which is point seven millimeter tip. Okay, good to know. Yes, point seven mil- millimeter is what I've got. Uh, got it in my hand actually. It's beautiful, and it's comfy to hold. It is. It is. The Pilot G2 is the number one uh, gel ink pen in America or the world. I never remember if it's America or the world. They sell a lot of them. Um, you know pen statistics? And, oh, of course I know pen statistics. That's um, incredible. And they, <laughs> it's, I read a lot of blogs. Um, <laughs> and they are, they are a fine pen. But it is it is my solemn goal to change them as being the number one gel ink pen in America. It's a good pen, but you can get a better pen for the same price just as easily. Really? So I'll make I'll make sure I get you the hookup on that. <laughs> and what's what's the the name or the brand? Um, well, that's I mean there are names and brands. Uh, Pilot themselves makes a gel ink pen that I prefer over the G two. It's called the Pilot Juice. They are not as easy to find in the United States. You have to order them online or live in Japan. Um, you can find them in some stores, but they're, they're not as easy to find. Um, but in my opinion, they, out, uh, they all of our Japan listeners. Right, right. <laughs> um, Anichiwa. Um, so. <laughs> Which I think might actually mean thank you. So thank you to all my Japan <laughs> listeners. Um, so so Pilot themselves makes a, a very good gel ink pen. Uh, my all time favorite is the Uniball Signo uh, DX, um, also known as the UM one fifty one. It is also not super easy to find in the states, um, but they they cost the same price. So if you order them on the internet from Jet Pens or Amazon, neither of which are sponsors of this podcast. Um, you can you can buy them for the pretty much the same exact price as the G2, and they're just a, a better writer all around, in my opinion. <laughs> but if you love your G2, I'd rather you be specific and love your G2 than just pull any pen out of the cup. At least that that tells me that you care enough. <laughs> I'd take any broken old pencil. I don't really care. That's fair. That's fair. Le- leave leave <laughs> the nerding out to the rest of us. <laughs> No, that's great. I appreciate that. I will. Uh, I'll do a little research on those. Yeah, pens. and I'll, I'll send you some links, and the next time I see, you, I'll I'll give you a couple to write with some things that open your eyes to the the world of absolute nerdery. A lot of people will write with them and say it writes exactly the same, but they're wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so, thank you so much for taking some time out of your your busy schedule. Um, I appreciate it. Is there any is there any last nugget of wisdom or last statement or anything you want to tell my listeners while you still have the microphone? Um, you only live once, so uh, mm. make your life worth it. Um, also, if uh, 
If you are in the Grant County area and you're looking for a realtor, I love navigating the process of buying or selling a home. And specifically, there's just a lot of decisions that go into that. And whether it's um, educational or simply being aware of what's out there. Um, And so if anybody's in the area that would like that, um, even just to go get a cup of coffee and talk about whether homeownership is right for you, I would be happy to do that. Um, And the best avenue is to catch me on my Facebook page. And that's facebook.com slash Tyler Shirley Realtor. So facebook.com slash Tyler Shirley Realtor. Uh, I'll make sure we get that link in the show notes as well as a link to your website, the Crandall Realty website. I'll make sure those are both in the show notes for our listeners. Great. Um, If anybody wants to find out more about me for some reason, you can head over to my blog at chinthings.com. You can find the show notes to this episode at chinthings.com slash chats slash three. That's the digit three. Uh, You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, all of them at Davey Chin. Davey with no E, Chin with two N's. Um, And for now, I hope you all have a great day. And remember, nice matters.